Kia ora and welcome to Goodfellow Podcasts. This episode is kindly supported by the Auckland Faculty of the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners and dedicated to the memory of Mr. Geoffrey Caldham, orthopaedic surgeon. I'm Dr. Louise Kugler and today I'm talking to Mr. Andrew Graydon about lumps, bumps and bone pain in the paediatric patient. Andrew is a New Zealand trained orthopaedic surgeon specialising in paediatric orthopaedics, hip, foot and ankle surgery and musculoskeletal oncology. Andrew practices publicly at Starship Children's Hospital and privately at Eastwood Orthopaedics here in Auckland. Welcome Andy and and thank you for your time today. Hi though, no problem. So we're talking about sarcoma. The delay in diagnosis directly impacts on the long-term prognosis. So today we're going to use two case scenarios and we'll talk you through the recognition, diagnosis and principles of management of this important type of cancer, focusing mainly in the paediatric patient, but discussing some adult points as well. So let's start with Fred Andrew. He's an eight-year-old European boy and he comes into your surgery with a one-month history of right-sided thigh pain and a thigh swelling. We examine him in his right anterior thigh. He has a deep, hard swelling that is mobile and very tender. What features in this history and examination bother you? So I guess any child who presents with constant uh, or more consistent pain, which is localised to one area, is, is a source of concern. And that, that's a worrying symptom that needs to be explained. In general, pain that lasts for more than four to six weeks and the one location needs to be explained and more sinister pathology ruled out, really. And Fred has a number of features in his history that make you concerned. So the first would be, again, the localised pain in the right thigh in the duration of just over a month. Um, the second would be pain that he, he feels at night time. Often children with malignant pain or, or sinister causes will have pain which is felt more at night. Um, and sure you remember we, we always used to teach that and we still do um, about it being a very very important symptom to elicit. The other one is the is the presence of a mass which is really a very concerning or rather alarming feature. Whereas in adults we see soft tissue sarcoma as being the most common type of sarcoma and that's a, a soft tissue mass um, which forms in children soft tissue sarcoma is actually very very uncommon. Um, what is much more common is that masses or swellings uh, as a result of a bone tumour. Now, they can be a primary bone malignancy, uh, like Ewing sarcoma or osteosarcoma, where the soft tissue mass is often quite large, and that's more or less what Fred sounds like he's describing. Um, but that can also be the, the swellings and the masses that are associated with other tumours, like osteochondromas um, or other benign bone tumours where, where there might be a mass detectable. So we've examined the mass. What else do we need to examine with this child? The important thing is that this is a child who's presenting with pain in the leg, but it's very much a generalised examination that he needs to have. Although uh, we often think of orthopaedic problems being found in the limbs um, with uh, you know, a sore leg, automatically assume a, an orthopaedic issue for it. Actually, the most common malignancy in children are, are bloodborne malignancies, such as leukaemia and lymphoma. And lymphoma in particular can have a large soft tissue mass in association with bone destruction. So a generalised examination looking at the child's general state, um, a history um, look, trying to elicit any systemic features and duration of, of symptoms and things, but also as part of the systemic examination looking at the, the general child, the abdomen, um, and in particular joints above and below, so the hips and, and the knees and the ankles for this child. 
So at this point, what would your differential diagnosis be? Well, I think at, at this point, the differential for Fred is broad, um, but I, the most important thing is that he needs further workup. The differential includes a whole bunch of things which are not particularly pleasant for Fred, um, but the key feature, which I think is unmissable, is that Fred has something nasty that needs to be sorted out. And we don't need to make a diagnosis today, but we certainly need to be taking the steps towards sorting out Fred. And they can be as simple as X-ray blood tests and discussions or referrals, but they need to be had in a very quick sort of a way. And I would suggest that children who present with this sort of alarming history and um, clinical features need to be assessed urgently in hospital that afternoon, that evening. Well, you've answered my next few questions. So we're going to refer in. Does it have to be a um, specific centre or just a general um, children's hospital? I think no matter where you're practising, anywhere in, in New Zealand, uh, the local hospitals are well set up to take a child like this, triage them appropriately, and then um, seek further care. So the two uh, paediatric oncology centres in New Zealand are at Starship Children's Hospital and in Christchurch. And both of those have catchment areas that they drain, but they also are very good at giving advice to local DHBs and local hospitals. But this child would, I suggest, have a very rapid workup in any hospital that they're in and then rapid discussion with a specialist centre. And Andy, often the parents will ask us what to expect in this hospital admission. So what should we be telling them? What investigations will they have? And that's, a, that's a really good question, Lou. Um, I don't think I've ever told a child and their parent that they have cancer and the parents have been surprised. You know, parents know um, from the history alone uh, how to be concerned. And the parents who bring children into hospital with those sort of stories, a sore leg for a month with a mass and a lump um, and increasing pain, they know how, how unwell their child is and they're already expecting the worst. And so a doctor who, who dances around the topic and won't talk to them about what's going on instantly loses that family's trust. And you don't have to say, you don't have to be brutal about it or anything, but it's enough to say that, goodness, Fred seems pretty sore. And there's a number of things that he's telling me that I don't I really find quite worrying. And I think we're concerned about Fred and we need to sort this out. And that's enough of a thing to be talking to parents. They will already start to tumble to what's going on. And then the next step, when the child's having further investigations, we can find x-rays that looking concerning or blood tests that are alarming and need to be discussed with further specialists. And the concept that things are maybe turning in an unpleasant way for Fred and his family, um, that concept, it doesn't necessarily need to be a light bulb moment, but a general process. So that by the time they're getting to a, a subspecialist centre, parents pretty much already know what's going on. One of the, the common things that we see by the time kids get through to subspecialist centres is that everybody's been really quite scared just to, and I guess afraid or uncertain about how to acknowledge um, that uncertainty for the parents. And it doesn't need to be much. All it really needs to be is just, I'm really worried about Fred and we really need to get him somewhere where we're going to get an answer to figure, figure out what's going on. And that's all parents really need. So you've said that soft tissue sarcoma is relatively uncommon in children. What are the numbers and what is the prognosis like for someone like Fred? So if we look at soft tissue sarcoma in children, um, well, actually, no, it's sort of it take a bit of a backward step. So in adults, um, the, the majority of sarcoma 
will be soft tissue sarcoma. So that's lumps or bumps or a tumor that arises in a soft tissue like muscle, nerve, fat, those sort of things. The less common sarcomas in adults will be muscle that arise, there would be tumors that arise in bone. So osteosarcoma, Ewing sarcoma, chondrosarcoma. And the numbers would roughly be about 30% to 70% for adults. In children, uh, the, it's almost exactly the opposite. So the vast majority of sarcoma um, in children is primary bone malignancies. And those would be osteosarcoma or Ewing sarcoma. And there are some other rare ones, but that would be the big two. Soft tissue sarcoma in children usually is a type of tumor known as rhabdomyosarcoma. Now, the numbers in children would be more, 20% would be soft tissue sarcoma and 80% would be primary bone malignancies. Even so, sarcoma, adult or children, is a rare disorder. In children, you can expect maybe around about uh, 10 to 100,000 over the course of the year. So in New Zealand, that works out roughly at around 15 to 20 um, sarcomas spread throughout New Zealand in the pediatric age group. In adults, the rate is maybe slightly higher um, in terms of generalised, but you're still only talking about 50 or 60 cases across New Zealand per year. So Andrew, you've mentioned adult soft tissue sarcoma as being the most common adult presentation we're not going to see these very often in general practice, but what are the features or the worrying things that you think about in the history and the examination, particularly in adults? Sure. So adult soft tissue sarcoma is probably uh, going to be seen by most practitioners in their, in their career, maybe once or so. But it's a devastating condition that um, is very important to recognise early. So a patient might present often um, with a painless mass, which they've noted, um, which may be rapidly growing or actually may be slow growing. They exhibit a huge variety of um, clinical pulses. But the key feature would be a mass which is increasing in size um, or a mass which is large. So the features that are very alarming to us as sarcoma surgeons would be a big mass, i.e. greater than five centimetres, deep, i.e. below the level of the deep fascia, and fixed, obviously, down below the fascia and the muscle. Those features are very concerning. And they would be often uh, painless, often completely asymptomatic apart from a lump. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that's the most common presentation for a soft tissue sarcoma. The golf ball is often used as an analogy for this, isn't it? It is. Um, I think the problem with a golf ball um, is that a golf ball uh, implies quite a discrete lump. Um, in a, in a relatively superficial location. And that's actually not the most common way that these things present. Good way to think about it is sarcomas grow in a different way to most cancers. So whereas um, carcinomas grow in a tentacular type way, and you remember like chest X-rays and what they look like, sarcomas grow in an expansile way. So there'll be one malignant cell that forms and then it, it slowly increases in size and, and replicates and, and you'll end up with a pushing border. So in an ideal world, the sarcoma will grow as a golf ball um, and then become an orange and then become a football <laughs> eventually. But tissues will distort it into different, into different shapes. Great. Thanks, Andy. So let's move on to case two. Case two is uh, Ben. So Ben is a 15-year-old Maori boy. He's been brought in by his mum, which is always a worrying sign in itself. He's limping, limping on his left leg. He's a relatively inactive boy, 
but he's complained of persistent and worsening pain in his left knee and has been woken on many nights with the pain. Ben went to see the physio and he's been seeing them for the last few months and he was told that he has Osgood Slatter's disease. He's had some exercises, which he's sort of been doing, but they haven't really helped him. What are the features in this history that aren't consistent? Sure. Look, unfortunately, I can't remember the last child that I saw um, with a primary bone malignancy that hadn't seen people um, before with, with a, a different diagnosis. And the, the main issue is that pain in children is so ubiquitous. They've always knocked themselves playing, you know, playing in the playground, playing Saturday sports, whatever, or maybe not at the moment, but um, playing sports. Uh, but also with the various aches and pains that kids get, they get growing pains, they get um, the traction of apophysitis, like Oshkosh-Ladder's disease, Sever's disease. And teasing out the sinister things from, from those presentations can be very, very difficult. And people often leap to a, a diagnosis which is easy for them, like Oshkosh-Ladder's disease or growing pains and things. The key thing in Ben's history is his night pain and its fixed nature. So Oshkosh-Ladder's disease doesn't make you sore at night time. And Oshkosh-Ladder's disease is uncommon just in one side rather than both. And although it's fine to diagnose benign disorders, I think sometimes it's also good to have simple evidence or simple investigations that can maybe just confirm things or exclude other things. So in Ben's situation where he's had pain for a few months and now started to limp, an X-ray would be a really appropriate thing prior to diagnosing a more benign condition. So we ordered this X-ray. What are the features that we or the radiologists would be looking for? So one of the ways to think about bone tumours and, um, and their effects on bone is to think of a seesaw. And on one side, you've got the bone trying to react and remodel and heal itself. And on the other side, you've got a tumour which is trying to grow and establish itself. And if the tumour is slow growing and uh, not aggressive or benign in nature, um, then the bone gets quite a chance to remodel. So on the seesaw, the bone will be winning. So the bone is, often has a very sharp margin to it between it and the tumour. The bone can expand in size. Uh, the bone can wall off part of the tumour. And uh, in, in that situation, whatever, is, whatever the tumour is, is growing slow enough that the bone can react. In the other situation, you have a tumour which is growing aggressively um, and it's overwhelming the, what the bone can do. So you might see evidence of um, bone destruction. You might see evidence of cortical destruction or, or disruption. You might see evidence of periosteal elevation or what's called a, particularly where there's a, a wide zone of transition where the, the margin of the, of the tumour is very indistinct. So the body's not succeeding at walling it off. In those situations where the tumour is clearly aggressive and, and winning the competition, so to speak, that's a cause for alarm and concern, and that's where you need to have a diagnosis for what's happening, uh, and that may involve biopsy also. So Ben's x-rays do have concerning features. We refer him in. He has a biopsy that's reported as a sarcoma. What's the treatment and prognosis for Ben? So to start with, this is the beginning of a very devastating journey for, for Ben and his family. Sarcoma treatment in children is a very prolonged treatment, um, but fortunately in most situations it's actually very successful. So we're very, very lucky in New Zealand where Christchurch and Starship are members of what's called the Children's Oncology Group, which is a multi-centred worldwide, worldwide group or collaborative group um, for treating children with oncology problems. 
And that's, I think, about 350 or so hospitals worldwide who participate in that. So that means that treatment is highly protocolized and specialized. So most kids with primary bone malignancies will be assumed to have both systemic disease as well as local disease. So by that we mean local disease, which is the primary tumor situated in Ben's case in his, in his leg. And that will, that will consist, so that's what we call the local disease there. They will also be assumed to have systemic disease, which is the disease which is spread to the lungs or elsewhere, even if we can't demonstrate it. And so systemic disease is treated with chemotherapy and local disease is treated either with surgery or radiation therapy or a combination of both. And so the children will head off down a pathway where they're treated according to COG protocols, um, initially usually with neoadjuvant chemotherapy, the systemic control. Then they'll have what's known as local control, which is the surgery or the radiation or, or a combination of both. And then they'll go back onto chemotherapy to sort of mop up what's left behind. And the whole process can take anywhere up to nine to 12 months. So Andy, just before we conclude our podcast, if a GP or primary care provider was wanting to learn more about sarcoma, where could they go? Well, there's a number of actually really good um, international websites which can help with uh, sarcoma treatment, both for patients and for health professionals. The first would be the Canadian Orthopaedic Oncology Society website. It's called the CANUS website, which has a number of case studies um, both with x-rays and illustrative questions um, on children and adults with uh, bone, bone and soft tissue malignancies. The other website, particularly if you have a patient who's involved or who unfortunately has a sarcoma and you're interested in finding out what course they're going to be going down, is called the Sarcoma Help website. It's, it's run by the Liddy Shriver Initiative, who is a philanthropist in Boston, and that has very, very detailed patient and healthcare, and healthcare professional notes on different types of sarcoma, and that's a very educational site. Excellent. Thank you. And to conclude our podcast today, Andy, what would your take-home messages be for our listeners? I think the take-home message is that the answer is always in the history. You know, in, in pediatrics, we say that the history tells you what's going on, the examination confirms it, and then the radiology or the investigations tell you what to do. And that's absolutely true with kids with malignancies. The story, unfortunately, is always the same. It's horrible, severe pain, which occurs all the time, worse at night time, um, and really is making the children just totally miserable. And I would just urge all people who see children just to never forget and, and always remember that the history of night pain is, is probably the most significant that we, that we come across. Thank you, Andy. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. If you're a New Zealand GP and would like to claim CPG points for listening to this podcast, please fill in a reflection of learning form found at goodfellowunit.org. You'll also find a list of resources that Andrew's mentioned in this podcast, and you can access some other free webinars, med cases, and e-learning modules. Thanks for listening.